Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. It is midweek time once again here on the Owl Chat Podcast with our December 14th edition. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, and producer Nick is also in the building with us. John, we got a packed show today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man, and you said it. This is packed. Um, so Kai thinks we're going to get through this in about 40 minutes. I think this is going to last about 60 to 70 minutes. So well, we'll see where this ends up. Well, if this uh, if this becomes a debate, then you know it's a lot easier for you to <laughs> kind of work things in your favor. So we'll see. I'm strategically um, trying to do this so it does last. No, I'm kidding. But you're, yeah, off to, you're off to a pretty good start. I'll say that. I appreciate it, man. And uh, producer Nick is joining us as well. He's going to talk about some discussion questions, but uh, don't worry. I won't purposely drag it on any longer starting now. Yeah. Discussion questions with us. He's not on his own. We're not, uh, you know, leaving Matt to dry, even though that might be a segment in the future. Anyways, um, before we get into all of our news, we do have an exciting um, podcast update news, um, you know, announcement for you guys. We are now officially sponsored by Dogwood Golf Club out in Austell, Georgia. Um, they've been very gracious to us. Uh, they had us over a few days ago, hooked us up with some uh, some nice uh, jackets and, you know, lunch. And so very good people. They're going to be sponsoring us um, from here on out. Um, with that being said, we will play our first word from our new sponsor uh, now. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. All right. With that being said, we've got plenty of news and notes to get into, uh, starting with soccer, uh, something we didn't think we'd be talking about um, for quite a few months until now. Um, News out of the soccer world. uh, Head coach Benji Walton has officially resigned, I think effective um, December 23rd. So, you know, nice of him to put in that two weeks notice to the athletic department. Um, but Walton held a position at Kennesaw state for eight seasons, posting a record of 69, 61 and 20, including three straight trips to the ACE Sun conference championship. Um, Walton said in his final statement on KSUowls.com that it was time for him to move in a, into a different direction in his professional career. Um, I'm not sure if that means that he's done coaching soccer, but it kind of sounds like it. So uh, we wish Coach Walton nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Um, With that being said, as the soccer coaching search uh, begins, we will keep you updated with any news and notes um, on future midweeks. And, you know, we'll talk about the new coach when that time comes. Um, But throwing it back to you, John, I know you've got some baseball to talk about. Yeah, and I just want to say uh, 69 wins is definitely something that should not be overlooked. Uh, Very, uh, very nice accomplishment for Coach Walton. Um, So we'll have to see uh, what happens next year. Um, But as uh, baseball goes, I just want to say a quick note. The first pitch dinner has been announced. If you guys are not familiar, it's basically like a 
a charity dinner before the start of the season, usually held, I think, in January or February. I don't even have the date. That's how prepared I am. But Ned Yost, former uh, Royals World Series winning manager and former Braves uh, coach, is the guest speaker. Um, in year one of the co-era, it was uh, John Smoltz as a speaker. Last year was Billy Ripken, and this year is Ned Yost. So, you know, if you have some money to spare and want to donate to the program, uh, buy a ticket. Um, we do have some women's basketball news as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they got blown out by Mississippi State on Monday. I have a slight correction. I mentioned last week that they lost Chattanooga by six. So I was like, okay, maybe we have a chance here. But what I did not know at the time was that they had two very, very, very good posts who were out hurt for the past two or three games. And just our luck, both of them returned to crush us. Um, the Owls were also without starting forward Princess Harden. Um, I'm not sure where she was, if she was hurt, but we got a career high 19 and 12 from freshman forward uh, Trenise Taylor. In other women's basketball news, coach Octavia Blue got an extension through the 26-27 season. Congratulations to coach Blue, and we will actually have more on that later in our discussion segment. So uh, that's going to be a good one. Um, and the men's basketball side... Uh, before we get into um, any games coming up, I just want to talk about the, the, some huge news that dropped, um, not just for Kennesaw State, but the landscape of college athletics. Um, so a judge ruled uh, that the NCAA can't enforce their transfer waiver policy and has put a temporary injunction in place against it, um, which lasts for 14 days. Long story short, how, basically it means, you know, if you've transferred twice, they cannot stop you from uh, playing. So now uh, the situation that Kennesaw State is in is that Jason Holt, who was had a waiver pending, is now actually probably eligible. The complicated part of this is that the actual final ruling is on December 27th. So this 14-day ruling is just temporary, tiding it over until then. While I don't think the judge would have put this uh, injunction into place if he didn't think that the ruling on December 27th was going to stand as is, uh, but still it complicates things because um, while Jason Holt might be eligible now, what happens should the 20, December 27th hearing not go the way they think it goes? You know, can the can the barn door be closed again? Is all hell already broken loose? If all these players that have transferred twice are suddenly eligible, and then the NCAA says not so fast, what what happens? Um, so you know, it might be a safe bet to uh, not play Jason Holt until after the twenty seventh hearing. Um, so that would mean that he would miss the Presbyterian game this weekend and the UNC Asheville rematch next weekend and would be eligible for Indiana on the 29th and then the conference play schedule. Um, Jeff Goodman, a college basketball insider, tweeted this afternoon, college basketball coaches right now are scrambling, trying to see from school lawyers and administration whether they can and should play these guys for the next two weeks. Um, just so you guys can have some rationale on how this decision came to be. Um, I'm not a law. I'm not a lawyer. Um, I am a law school dropout. So I did spend a couple months in law school, which is more than Kai or Nick did. So I will take the lead on this one. Um, that's a faulty appeal to authority, John. You should know that. <laughs> overruled. Um, I think the rationale of the decision came down to NIL. Uh, my rudimentary understanding is that essentially NIL is income. 
and it's not legal to deny somebody their ability to earn that living by redshirting them and decreasing their value. Um, the judge didn't say that this was specific. This ruling was specific to Raekwon Battle, who was the person that filed the suit. So I believe this applies to all players that are put in the same situation. Uh, so that's kind of the, you know, the rationale behind why this is happening. So I will pose to you guys a couple quick questions. Um, the first one is, you know, I don't think anybody really knows what the right thing to do right now is. Um, is it worth playing Jason Holt uh, this weekend at Presbyterian again next weekend at UNC Asheville, seeing how there, I guess there is a possibility that the NCAA wins on the 27th and, you know, can, can they do any kind of penalties retroactively? It's like saying, Hey, you know what? He played, you know, we're not letting him play now, but he blew his red shirt. You know, I don't think, I don't know how legal doing something like that is, how ethical, but I wouldn't put ethics um, to the NCAA. Um, so do we hold him off until the 29th, um, assuming that the waiver will stay as is, or do we play them against, do we play him in Presbyterian? So um, I'll start with two things, right? Um, in my uh, one communication law class that I've taken in my Kennesaw State education, um, if there's one thing I've learned is that uh, precedent really matters. Um, so my logic there is if they've made this 14 day ruling, unless something completely new comes to light, there's no reason they would go in the other direction. Um, but that being said, I am sure that there is a ton of red tape to this and a ton that we don't see. Um, and the NCAA is probably going to make, you know, everything hell that they possibly can, especially for players waiting for a waiver. Um, so to be honest with you, I have no idea. And if it's up in the air and the coaching staff thinks it's up in the air, uh, I say absolutely not. Um, I, I see no reason we played fine as a unit, you know, to right now, obviously I think we'd be better with Holt, but, um, you know, if, if we get a final ruling on this on the 27th and, uh, we know for sure that the ruling applies to Holt situation, because we don't think he's making any, um, NIL money at the moment, um, then he'll be back before conference play, which, you know, is more than I could ask for. So I'm going to say, I, I see no reason to take any sort of risk here. Um, yeah. And I, I hope they don't, if they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is something fine and, you know, he's going to be cleared, then, you know, sure, let's play him. Um, and, you know, they feel confident in um, the court upholding this decision, then yeah, go for it. But I don't want to, you know, be stuck in a place where we get somebody in trouble or we uh, screw up his eligibility or anything or, you know, burn a year off um, completely unnecessarily. So um, I would say don't take any risks. There's literally no reason to at all. Yeah. And I think the NIL is just, you know, was just a vehicle to kind of get this, you know, a, you know, this lawsuit into place and get it into motion. So, you know, I, I don't think it has any bearing on whether Holt or any of the other transfers, you know, have any NIL. So that was just, you know, him using that, I guess, legally to get it done. Sure. But the, the whole point of the lawsuit is that, um, by the NCAA barring players from playing because of transfer rules, they're stopping these players from earning their NIL money. Correct. That's my understanding. Uh, could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to figure it out. So it's like, okay, oh, if me too. If that's the case, far as we know, and maybe we're wrong, there could be something we're missing. But Holt isn't making any money and is still technically an amateur. Um, and if that's the case, then it's kind of hard to have an argument for Holt. You know, he's still just 
uh, a player with an NCAA ID as far as they they can see. So well, I don't think that's how you know I don't think that's how the court thinks of it. Um, it is like the judge did apply a, a blanket ruling, so you know Holt could say, "Hey, I would have earned some NIL, but I'm not playing now, and this is harming me." So right. you know that's you know, and Holt could have a deal. You never know. Um, you know, with shoot, he could have like a ten dollar deal with Whataburger or something he like could. that. So he could, he could absolutely. But to our knowledge, um. We we don't know anything so. exactly, yeah, and, yeah. but I agree with you. I let it I let it wait. I mean, you know, it would be nice to have three games to get him ramped up, um, but you know, this will give us one game to get him in versus Indiana. Um, you know, I hate to have him play like a high major as that one game, but right. you know, I, I think it's best to play it safe. And I'm sure, just like all the coaches around the country, um, Kennesaw State legal staff is scrambling and playing it safe might be the way to go. And I agree with you completely. You know, I, I don't think they would have ruled this way to allow the, you know, players to play if they didn't think that, you know, barring anything crazy happening that will stay the same. I mean, if his first game eligible is against Indiana, then let him play against Indiana. Um, I don't see any reason if there's somehow a situation where we try and rush him back for Indiana. I don't see a point in that. We're probably going to lose that game. Um, you know, uh, it might be a 15 to 20 point result. Nick, uh, we, we can take Indiana. Nick just... Mike Woodson, he sucks. No, but um, I know. thought we could take FSU, man. So, <laughs> right. But, One point yeah. actually right now in, in Lenardi's bracket, uh, in, in all brackets, actually, they were talking about the fact that Indiana is actually the AQ out of the Big Ten right now because they're 2-0 and in Big Ten play, which is more wins than anyone else huh. has. So yeah. they are technically the Big Ten AQ right now. That would be an Indiana, you know, Big Ten team sort of thing to do. I think Michigan did that a few years ago where, like, they wouldn't have made the tournament and then they went on a crazy run in their practice jerseys. And then I, I don't care if they're I don't care if they're 10 and 0. You know, back when I was a Hawks fan and Mike Woodson was the head coach of the Hawks, we had a saying for Mike Woodson. We said, quote, Woody is no goody. And, you know, I still stand by that. So I really want to, you know, get this win. You know, it's probably unlikely, but, you know, my biggest thing about Holt is, you know, it, w- it would be nice to have him be able to play versus Presbyterian in Asheville and get it, re- you know, get him ramped up with three games, figure out the rotation, all that kind of stuff, especially because Asheville is going to be a hell of a challenging game. So Shit, how about how about we throw him in against Persia if that's the case? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God, I forgot about that game. Don't 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 try too much out in a game against Presbyterian that will probably be favored in, but could definitely lose. If you know what I'm saying? You know, but what do I know? I'm not I'm not on the stuff. Absolutely. And I, I wasn't even thinking about Persia. So um, my next question and, you know, this is for you, Kai, and I want Nick to answer um, because, number one, you know, 60 to 70 minutes. Haha. <laughs> but um do you, how does this affect the game of bas- of game of college athletics in general? Because I'm looking at it and I see it as a negative. I compared it on Twitter to kind of getting that stimulus check a few years ago. Oh, we're getting, you know, we're shutting it down. You can't work. We're giving you $600. A lot of people are like, oh, cool, $600. That's great. And then a year later, you're like, what the hell? Why are all these prices going up? So I look at kind of Jason Holt and getting the waiver as kind of like our $600. Yay right now. But then once things start to hit, you know, a year from now and we see like, oh, wow, this is turning into, you know, guys leaving schools every year or guys, you know, pitting schools against one another. Um, you know, it just seems like the Wild West is getting wilder. And I just want your take on that. Yeah, sure. Um, so 
I've been a big fan of transfer rules. Actually, I I think the the two year rule is better. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. I want Holt, you know, playing as soon as possible. But like, selfishly, the fan in me is like, I want I want to see some loyalty in these guys. But that's all an illusion. And when you step back and you get kind of reasonable about it. Uh, it's hard to argue against players just transferring everywhere. You know, I mean, regular students can do that all the time. If a school accepts them and, you know, wants them to play, it means we get better spread out talent. Everybody wants to get paid. Uh, money makes the world go around. That's a sad truth. Um, and I think it's it's kind of inevitable. And uh, any anything that the NCAA institutes uh, to stop players from making money in any sort of way, whether that be transfer rules or NIL restrictions, is not going to hold up in court. And I think that's what we're finding out um, every time something like this happens. So it, it's a little sad because you're starting to realize that um, this the the whole loyalty thing is somewhat of an illusion, and money you know wins um, in the end. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely different. Um, honestly, I think it's something we can capitalize on uh, in our current situation, which is the the kind of bright spot in all this. Um, but we'll see. Uh, like you said, it's the Wild West and it's getting wilder. We None of us know where this is going. Um, none of us know what college athletics are going to look like in 10 years, if things are going to be dynamic and we're going to go through more big changes a decade from now or, um, you know, we're going to find Next some level of consistency. Yeah, Three totally. Next yeah, week. 100%. You know, we, we don't know. Um, I love college sports. Uh, I love my teams. Um, I just I just want to see competitive basketball, man. So that's all I got. Yeah. And before we go to Nick, I just want to kind of say, you know, the the legal rulings on all this aside, you know, obviously, you know, players, you know, I, I, I don't want to be against players. You know what I mean? I want them to be able to be compensated fairly and make their money. But, you know, I, I just it's not it doesn't seem good for the game at the same time. There has to be some kind of balance. And I feel like the balance is shifted from all the way one way. And now it's shifting all the way to the other side. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going to shake up. Like, for so, example, but I was going to say just before we go to Nick, I I agree with you from a fan's perspective, but it's somewhat unjustifiable to be anti-NIL. I mean, look, these the students are making a lot of money for their schools. Um, you know, it's it it shouldn't be free labor. Uh I, no, definitely not saying free. I mean, they but I'm just thinking out loud here. I just don't know if, you know, letting kids transfer four times, number one, is, you know, kind of instilling the discipline that they need to, you know, be successful. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah, you know what, coach? You're being hard on I'll leave. Oh, I'll leave. I'll leave. You know, I, I just feel like the one transfer that's free that that we just had was great. You know, I, I kind of like that. But you know what, John, that's that's on the player. If that negatively impacts the player in their career, then that is their consequence. You know, um, mm-hmm. it sucks as a fan. But if you want to transfer to four different schools in four years, um, like you said, good luck. You need uh, continuity. And, you know, those players aren't going to get that. But that's yeah. that's their loss. You know, I don't think we should be able to dictate that. Um, we're not we, but I don't think the NCAA or anybody else should be able to dictate that. If I want to leave and go to a new school, I think I should be able to, uh, regardless, you know, whether I play basketball or not. So that's fair. And, you know, again, I'm sort of playing some devil's advocate over here. Um, I kind of like the one transfer. And, you know, if you want to play immediately, you know, drop down a level, you know, to, you know, D2, if you really want to go that far. But I, I absolutely see your side, you know, your, your side and the other side of the issue here. You know, it's not fair. You know, if I'm a coach and, you know, I want to coach somewhere else, you know, um, I guess it's really a matter of taking this from a, 
a viewpoint of amateur sports are becoming professional sports. So, you know, if they're employees, you know, if I work at, you know, shoot, if I work at Sitgo and I want to work at Texaco, you know, I can go to Texaco and then I can go to Quick Trip and then I can go to Racetrack and, you know, I can work wherever I want. Um, yeah. So it, it, honestly, it, it kind of takes the the distaste we have as fans out of it, right? You know, I want to yeah. have the, the freedom to leave and go to a different employer if I'm not happy at my job. Yeah. You know? I just think there should be some kind of limitations of, you know, on the NIL before it gets, it's already getting out of control. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, some schools offer, you know, end up offering kids hundreds of thousands or, you know, it's, and it's only going to get worse. And, you know, where do we draw the line? You know, are we going to end up with like one team, you know, a couple top teams full of like these transfers. That's like basically like an NFL team. Right. I mean, I would be okay with having some sort of cap to it, but I don't know how you do that because a lot of it is still like completely independent from the schools, you know, um, like if Bryce Young, when he's at Alabama, wants to sign a deal with a car dealership and be in their commercials, then you know, that's not Bama paying him. That's the car dealership in Tuscaloosa. You know, what does what the NCAA got to say about that? No, you can't because you're uh, you play at Bama. So, yeah. But Nick, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm dying to get your opinion on this. Yeah. What you got, Nick? I lie somewhere in the middle between both of you because I am 100% pro player. Go make that money. If you are able enough to move up levels you should be able to do that if you're not getting the playing time you want or not seeing the the yourself playing at a competitive level at a higher level move down i'm okay with that i want there to be a clear and consistent way of applying the rules that the ncaa has currently where there's not all of this waiver bullshit and and all in uh, all the ancillary stuff that goes yes. on in the background. It's NIL, subjective. And NIL is fine. It's all subjective and it's all money based. And that's my issue because you'll see the schools with big basketball programs. Like, I mean, who are the people that have gotten waivers in? A lot of them are from big high major schools that have connections within certain groups and they can kind of push these along. And then what about the schools where maybe the player's not as notable or the school's not as recognized by those higher bodies. They are still waiting. Judson Holt is still waiting. He's still waiting. He has not gotten an answer. Mm-hmm. Like I, there needs to be a consistent timeline when these, if they're going to be reviewed on when it's either a yes or no, or there's no waiver application at all and let them go. Mm-hmm. It, it's one or the other. And it's one or the other. And the NCAA will continue to play their politic BS and it, that's what aggravates me more than anything about the, mm. about all of it. I agree. It's, and go ahead, Kai. It's really a matter of his file just being at the bottom of the stack, and you got to wait till somebody gets to it. it. It's really stupid. There's and I don't see any justification for you know waiting until you know mid December to make a ruling. Like the only thing I could think of is like you're punishing the players. I mean, what what are you telling me? Oh, I'm trying to reach some people and make a verdict. Like you're telling me you can't do that before the season. Right. Within like six weeks, I mean, TikTok, these are their careers. So is this like some kind of, you know, making people sit? Is this like some kind of quasi punishment for letting them play early? Like, you know, oh, you sit. All right. All right. We're December. Okay. 10 games have gone. So if you want to play, you lose 10 games anyway, but we'll let you play. Ha ha. Sucks it, for al- you. it almost seems like there's no real standard either. It's just like oh. case by case. I, I mean, if there was like a real rigorous standard, you know, and then we would know these things in a matter of minutes. You would know if you were eligible, if you weren't eligible. If you want to commit to second transfer, you got to sit out of here, then fine. You know, say what you want about that rule. But 
you know, stick to it. Be consistent. It It's all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think the NCAA is dying a slow death um, when it comes to major college athletics. I don't think they're going to die completely. I think they'll, you know, continue to run the D2, D3s of the world. But I think the NCAA is on its way out. I think uh, in a 10 to 20 years, um, you know, things are going to be independent. My wish, selfishly, and I don't think that this will ever happen, but I think it would be the best and most fair way to do things and keep all fan bases happy would be to institute some sort of relegation system in D1 sports, you know, so we don't have Vandy sitting around, you know, in SEC football, um, you know, just losing a bunch of games while you have, you know, a team like, I don't know, Tulane who would win, you know, two, three times the amount of games Vandy would on any given year in the same conference, you know, switch them out. Um, but people love their, uh, their pageantry in college football. So that will probably never happen. Um, you said but... two to three times. Is that two to three wins then? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're telling me Tulane couldn't win five games in the SEC this year. I, you know, I mean, it's, but SEC has been around forever um, and people really care about that brand. So it, it won't happen, but I think that would in the long run be the best way to appease everybody. Cause there would be no arguing of, you know, who's deserving being where you just, you win your way in and you play level competition. So, but you, but you have to be careful at the same time. The last thing I want is to like get rid of the NCAA basketball tournament just because, Oh, you know, these schools are at, you know, the peak level, whereas they'll never get a chance to play Kennesaw yeah. state. Sure. Sure. That is true. Um, but still, uh, if there were somehow a way to set up uh, a similar tournament and it wasn't run by the NCAA, it would probably be even better, John. Yeah. But again, if that happens, you know, it might be some teams are excluded for being too high up on the food chain, if that makes sense. So I, I don't want that either. You know what I mean? I want everybody to this be involved. If I, if I want to win, I want to beat the number one team in the country, even though, you know, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. You know, right. Florida Atlantic, you know, getting to the final four. Yeah. Um, you super... want that. We all want that illusion of hope that one day Kennesaw state could win a national title. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And it, it's fantastic. It's great. And, you know, teams have gone on these crazy runs before, so it's possible, you know, it, it is fathomable that we could go to the elite eight in the coming years. You know, I, is that going to be something I bet on? Absolutely not. But with the current setup of the NCAA tournament, it's a possibility. So I get what you're saying. Um, it's tricky and nobody knows what to do. Yeah. And, and like answer. you guys said, we need uniform standards. Um, you know, I, I don't care, you know, if you, if you, if it says one transfer a year or two transfers a year, that's it. That's what the rule is. It needs to be granted or it needs to be denied. I do not care if your dog died and you miss home. I do not care. Um, that's what, if that's what the rule says, we're going to stick with that um, regardless and if you want to play that badly, you know, drop down a level. So, yeah. you know, all these excuses, you know, how how can the NCAA be the arbiter of, oh, yeah, you know what? Your, you know, your mental health or your family member died, one player versus the mental health and the family member of another player versus being close to home and weighing all that. They, they can't do that. And they have to make these kind of arbitrary decisions. Dog shouldn't have died. Do better, yeah. better dog health. We need dog insurance for the NCAA. Mental health is also like a tough thing to judge with, you know, standards and a pen and paper. So, you know, I, exactly. I, I agree. I agree that it's an important thing, but it's not something that can be black and white. Or, I mean, it has to be something that can be black and white because every case is completely different and we don't know what on earth is going on inside everybody's head. So. Good conversation, something we could talk about for hours, but we are, you know, on a tight schedule. Not really, but, 
you know, we'll say we are. Um, We're so on a we'll 60 move, to 70 minute schedule. Well, yeah. uh, we'll get to looking ahead to our next men's basketball game, which is at Presbyterian um, on the 16th, which is a Saturday. So just talk a little bit about Presbyterians themselves, not Presbyterians themselves, the Presbyterian program. Yes. Um, let's discuss religion, Kai. That's what everybody's here for. Fantastic idea. Anyways. Um, so quick note, just before looking in, I thought they played in a much smaller arena. They hold, it holds like 2,300 people, which is honestly like way bigger than what I expected, you know, a school like Presbyterian to have. I thought they were going to be down there with the Charleston Southerns and the USC upstates, but you know, credits to them. They've got a nice little gym. Um, so last year, uh, they had an abysmal five and 23 record, um, and their administration decided to stick with head coach Quinton Farrell. Uh, Farrell is in his fifth year and has had a rough go as a coach of the Blue Hose, um, currently sitting at a 41 and 87 record all time as of today after their win over mid-Atlantic something, something, some NAIA school, um, uh, just like right before this recording. Um, his best season uh, was in 2021 to 2022 um, when they went, I think, 12 and 20 overall. Um, but so far, the decision to stick with Farrell has actually paid off pretty well. Uh, Presby is currently seven and four uh, to start the season with an impressive win over Vanderbilt and a handful of nice small major victories, such as a double digit win over North Florida, um, our friends over in the A Sun, and then two SOCON victories against two teams near the bottom of that conference. But still, it's a pretty stacked conference this year, so they'll take the wins over VMI and the Citadel. Uh, Samaj Teal is currently their leading scorer, and he is a transfer from Division II Winston-Salem State, which is the alma mater of Stephen A. Smith, uh, fun fact. Um, and he currently leads them in scoring at 12.6 points per game. Uh, senior Kobe Stewart, um, a product out of Augusta, Georgia, is also a nice rebounding guard who leads the team with 5.5 a game, although he stands at just six foot six. Um, the biggest takeaway is that they're pretty small, especially off the bench. Um, they have four guys in the rotation um, that are 6'3 or shorter um, while going 10 men deep into the bench. Um, so that's all I got on Presbyterian. Uh, John, uh, knowing what you know, how do you see this one going? Well, first off, I know you said he stands just six foot six, and you know I would do a lot and hurt a lot of people to be six foot six. So um, I wish I was just six foot six. But um, no, I, I think uh, Kennesaw State is is going to win. I mean, we're on a roll. I do think on paper Presbyterian might be a little bit better than upstate. Um, again, I haven't seen either team play, but you know, Kai, based on what your research shows and seeing upstate play, would you say that Presbyterian is like a, maybe like a fourth, like a quarter of a step better? Uh, they would be favored if they played upstate, I would think just because of past results, but it's kind of confusing because it doesn't seem like they're particularly well coached because otherwise they would have performed a little better than they had over the last four years, but they also don't look like they have any crazy talent. I mean, their best player is a D2 transfer who's having a solid season um, to his credit, but I don't know. They've just been able to make things work. They've had some crappy opponents. They've had some good opponents. Um, so I think it's a game that, like I said earlier, we will be favored in, but we could easily lose, especially at their place. Um, I think it's an important one. We got, you know, left on the non-con schedule. We've got uh, Asheville at their place, a game we could definitely lose, um, and a game at Indiana, which we will most likely lose um, to producer Nick's dismay. I hope we don't, but, you know, and then a game against Persia, which we can pencil in a win for. Um, so it's, you know, one last chance to kind of assert our dominance over a small major team that we're better than. Um, and I trust our coaching staff that we will have our guys prepped and uh, go get another road win. Uh, don't be surprised if this game is closer than it should be. It is a road game in December. So, you know, things are always tricky. 
Yeah. And we need to play better on the road. Um, you know, I don't think we played, you know, close to where we could play against upstate, which again, it's a road game in December, like you just said, but we, I think we do need to play uh, quite a bit better um, to get this win. Um, you know, not, you know, take care of the ball a little bit more value the possessions a little bit more. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, I know we got some exciting football news to move on to. Yeah, uh, just some uh, a lot of football news, a bunch of news and notes here. Uh, Travis Bell, uh, Owls alum, defensive lineman. He played in his first NFL game on Sunday in the loss to the Buccaneers. Bell recorded one tackle. Um, Kentavia Street went down with an injury. I don't have the update on that, but I believe he's listed behind him on the depth chart. But uh, either way, I think there's a good chance we'll see Bell out there this weekend at one o'clock against uh, Carolina. Uh, For the second time in two weeks, the Owls have lost an assistant football coach, uh, defensive ends coach Davern Williams, best known for his time on the Netflix series Last Chance U, was hired by Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Unknown if Darius Safford, who was uh, hired by Georgia Southern last week, and Williams leaving the program has anything to do with new defensive coordinator Nathan Burton getting his own guys in there. Um, but as far as replacements go, I'd probably keep an eye on coaches with ties to Burton for those two spots, maybe former Georgia Tech coaches. Uh, Georgia Tech recently uh, reassigned Coach Andrew Thacker to an off-field role. Thacker was previously on staff with Burton and Georgia Tech and was also previously a coach on KSU staff, so he knows the lay of the land. Uh, he could be a possibility should he be looking elsewhere. I'm going to jump uh, in for a second. Andrew Thacker was one of the worst coordinators at the Power 5 level. Just worth the note. I know he's got ties to Kennesaw and maybe he needs a fresh start. Um, I would not be a fan of the hire. Just, you know, right off the bat. I'd be a fan of the hire think, as a position coach. Sure. A- let him coach the safeties. Sure. Don't let him be the DC. The man cannot he, call plays. No, we are. We definitely already have a DC, so we have no worries there. But all that is all that is speculation on my end. He was the uh, Owls linebackers coach. And, you know, you can coach anything if you know football. You know what I mean? But we'll have to see if, you know, Coach Burton and Coach Bohannon want somebody with more history at those uh, particular positions, you know, cornerbacks and uh, defensive ends. So, you know, I think Traveris Tillman was also, um, let, you know, reassigned by Georgia Tech as well. The uh, defensive backs coach over there. I don't think he was on the same staff as Burton when he was there. So, you know, Burton did have like a a, a gap year between uh, Georgia Tech and Kennesaw State. So, yeah. Uh, and some other news, uh, we have some big commitments to go over. But first, I've got some housekeeping notes. Um, a few of the players that we've offered over the past month, and we've offered a lot, so this is going to happen. Uh, they've committed elsewhere. If you're interested in seeing all the latest commits laid out in an easy-to-read spreadsheet, go to ksuowlhowl.com and click football if you're if you're interested in doing so. Um, offensive lineman Garrett Landing, who I thought for the longest time may have been a scholarship commitment, I believe he's actually a PWO, and he decommitted from KSU. He announced uh, this past week on Twitter. Uh, best of luck to you, Garrett. Uh, and some more positive news. KSU commit uh, kicker Greg Kelly took his official visit this past weekend. And athlete Javon Rogers also visited the Owls. Rogers is still uncommitted as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, now for the good stuff, the commitments. Before we get started, I want to let you guys know that in mid to late January, once everybody is signed, we have all the names, we're going to start to put together a special podcast dedicated, like a signing day type deal. Uh, Coach Nick Parada will be on there to kind of break down the class, um, go over some of their tape, um, and we'll kind of talk about those guys and how they might fit into the program. So, you know, keep an eye on that in the coming uh, 
in the coming month or so. Um, the Owls did get an, a bunch of commitments over the past week. Uh, last week, uh, we got uh, Kalari Gordon, who visited the Owls in early December. He's a 6'4", 315-pounder from Carver High School in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, Gordon listed offers on Twitter from Texas A&M, Liberty, Southern Miss, UAB, Marshall, Troy, and more. Uh, more recently this week on Monday, KSU kept me busy on my Monday night with back-to-back-to-back to back to back commitments that were tweeted out. It just wouldn't stop. Um, the first one was Christian Moss, a 6'3", 194-pound wide receiver. He's a transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, played his call. Like college ball, played his high school ball at North Cobb High School in Kennesaw. Um, out of high school, he had offers from Jacksonville State, Missouri State, Gardner-Webb, and Bryant. Uh, Mar- Moss redshirted his first year in at Virginia Tech in 2021 and played six games in 2022, catching six passes for 71 yards, despite Virginia Tech not having a strong passing game. Uh, GobblerCountry.com which is an SB Nation Virginia Tech fan site, posted in early May that Moss is stepping away from the football team and remaining a student. So he did not play and was not on the team this past season. So it was kind of a gap year. Um, Gobbler Country added, quote, we aren't sure why Moss is stepping away and it really doesn't matter. It's his decision and we wish him nothing but the best in his future, unquote. Uh, me personally, as a fan, I'm curious. I'd like to know, but um, Coach Bohannon said that he wants guys that love football and couldn't live without football. Uh, it might be a good reason why Moss didn't play last year. I just hope the coaches uh, stuck to their word, did their homework, and um, you know, hopefully, he's a passionate uh, football player. Um, I assume he loses the season of eligibility for stepping away for that gap year, perhaps. So he will have at least two years, maybe three remaining. Uh, the next commitment is Jackson Colvin, a 6'4", 225-pound uh, player, defensive end from Geraldine, Alabama. Uh, if you're curious, Geraldine is in the most northeastern tip of Alabama. Uh, it was And it was incorporated as a city in 1956, the more you know. Uh, back to Jackson, uh, he visited this past weekend. Uh, he told me he was recruited as a defensive end by the Owls. I think he also played some linebacker in high school. He listed offers from Moorhead State, one of my favorites, uh, UT Martin, and North Alabama. Uh, the final commitment from Monday's back-to-back-to-back, I was, uh, and the first JUCO of the class was 6'5", 300-pound offensive lineman Dodge Souser. Uh, Dodge uh, played his high school ball at Grinnell High School, I believe, in Iowa, where he was coached by his father, Brian, and played with his brother, Dallas, who's a quarterback. Um, Dodge comes from Iowa Central Community College, and before that, he spent some time at Iowa State. Uh, Souser also had offers recently from Western Kentucky, New Mexico, Old Dominion, UMass, Louisiana Monroe, along with many other FCS offers. Um, And then today we had, uh, well, as of we're recording on Wednesday, I should say, um, the Owls got a commitment from Zach Williams on Wednesday morning, a 6'4", 320-pound offensive lineman from Holmes Community College. He's originally from Jackson, Mississippi. He previously attended New Mexico. Uh, he held offers from uh, UMass, Mercer, Stephen F. Austin, and many more FCS programs. So another offensive lineman there. Uh, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, we got a commitment from Jaden Robinson, a 6'3", 190-pound wide receiver from South Walton High School in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. He had offers from Western Kentucky, Georgia Southern, and more. 
So it was a busy day. Um, lots going on. And that's what, like six offers or whatnot. And we're not even close to being done. Um, so yeah, Kai, what do you, what's your take on the recruiting so far? Uh, I think Moss is the most intriguing one because he's a power five guy. It seems like he was maybe the type who got that one, you know, power five offer amongst uh, a bunch of, you know, FCS and group of five offers and he jumped on it. Uh, he did actually get some playing time, which is encouraging. It means he stood out in practice a lot. Um, sounds like it was a logical move. I think you said he went to, was it North Cobb or North Cobb Christian? I believe just North Cobb. Gotcha. I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, big time program down here. I'm glad he's with the team. Like you said, Bohannon says he wants guys who live, breathe, eat and sleep football. So I love it. Um, I love that we're going heavy on JUCOs. I think that's definitely the right way to go. There's a lot of town in JUCO that goes under the radar. Um, so yeah, uh, excited, long way to go. Um, obviously this is happening at every school across the country right now. You know, guys are committing left and right. Um, so not getting too, too excited, but still, um, yeah, nothing but good stuff. And I'm sure we've had a commitment by the time this, you know, recording has ended. I mean, guys are committing left and right. It's going to be fast and furious. We have what, six, seven, something like that commitments right now. And we're targeting at least 25. So it's just going to go on, you know, hopefully nonstop for the next month. I mean, I saw another offer go out this morning and that's not even counting. I'm sure the tons of offers that we don't even know are out there um, that are out there. So, you know, a lot's going on behind the scenes. A lot of visiting visits are happening every weekend. So it's, it's some exciting stuff. And, you know, I, I get a little bit more excited when I see those um, JUCO offensive line offers come in as opposed to the high school offers. I'm not going to lie after what we uh, went through last year. Yep. Yep. hundred percent means we got, uh, you know, guys who are physically ready um, who have played, at not the NCAA level, but at the college level. Um, like I said, there's good ball in JUCO. There's a lot of good JUCOs out there that would be beating good or, you know, some of the poor FCS programs and, you know, definitely the D2s and D3s of the world. So um, I'm also a fan of the JUCO O-linemen. Um, yes. Makes that transition a lot easier because, you know, like we've said, the O-line right now is a complete mystery. I mean, we got to we gotta fill every hole there is. So, um Yeah. And, you know, just having two JUCO offensive linemen commit so far, I mean, that's just that's just like two grains of sand on the beach. I mean, I want to get, you know, three, four, five more JUCO offensive linemen. I mean, we need to find someone that can snap it. Give me a whole line, 100%. Whole line, whole line, and like three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's all I have for the recruiting section. Um, we do have some uh, topics here, actually, and I will tee you up on this one, Kai. Um, these were sent in by our listeners. So thank you um, for those of you who did uh, send it in the topic. I believe Travis uh, sent this one in. Um, so we know that Travis said, we know that Louisiana and Georgia Southern are already scheduled to be home FBS opponents. Which other out of five G5, out of conference G5 opponents would you like to see at Fifth Third Stadium? Other than Georgia State, that feels like low-hanging fruit. So to clarify, Kai, before you answer, this is, you know, out-of-conference G5 opponents. So no Liberty, you know, we're not counting Georgia State. We're not counting Georgia Southern or Louisiana. So, so it's, it's out of it's out of state, uh, out of, out of um, excuse me, out of state and out of conference, um, which yeah. actually narrows it down a little bit. Yeah, and no P5 either, Kai. I, I, did, I counted, and I think we're talking about 49 teams to choose from. So, you know, give us your top uh, your top choices and your rationale. 
first you mentioned power five i do want the listeners to know that we are able to play two for ones with power five teams so theoretically we could host a power five team at fifth third bank i hope that doesn't happen anytime soon give us a little bit of time but that is a possibility um but yeah um i've got a few fun ones um my fun random one um my no reason at all just for the hell of it is hawaii give me a home and home with hawaii i think that would be awesome that'd be hilarious they've made further trips before let's let's do it um my kind of second section is the the naming rights one um went to the american conference and we've got you know a bunch of options can we host either temple rice or fiu fau excuse me not fiu um for the battle of the owls um, I think that's a must do. And then Kent State uh, is the team I would want to see the most out of the Mac because we played them a few years ago and uh, probably should have beaten them. And also, you know, it's the war for KSU because Kansas State's not coming down anytime soon. Um, so that's my war for KSU. Um, now, the reasonable ones um, are, I think, out of the Sun Belt. I think over um, time we're going to see the schedule fill up with a lot more Sun Belt teams just because, you know, those are the most reasonable and we've already got a couple on the schedule. Um, had we not already scheduled Louisiana, I totally would have thrown them in there. I think that's a super fun matchup. I think so far that's the best matchup on the future schedules. I'm really excited for that game. Um, but you know, if we're going to schedule the Sun Belt, why not start at the top? Let's get some fun, you know, um, brands out there. Let me see the Troys of the world. I want to see the app States of the world and like the coastal Carolinas. Um, so that's what I got, but my number one wish is still Hawaii. I want to see a home and home with Hawaii. Okay. Okay. Um, they didn't, I mean, Travis didn't say these have to be realistic suggestions. So, right. you know, there, there is no, there is no wrong answer here. Exactly. Well, if you, well, technically if you name a power five team, then you're screwed, but yeah. Um, I have a lot of crossover with your answers. Actually, Kai, I have right here in my notes, round Robin owl supremacy with uh rice, Florida Atlantic and temple. Um, I have Kent state as well, but a little bit of a different reason. Our second game against them, our return game, got canceled due to COVID in 2020. So, you know, even though I think it, both games would have been at Kent State, you know, it would be nice to actually get to play them again. And also the KSU supremacy, very nice touch. Mm. Um, I also have Troy uh, because geographically they're the closest G5 um, outside of Georgia State, which we're not counting here. They're about three and a half hours away, I think. And the one other team that I have is Coastal Carolina because, because they owe us a game. We played them in 2015 in our first season in Conway. They kicked our ass. They left the Big South. We didn't get a return game. So let's get that return game. Let's bring them to Kennesaw. Hey, that was a really good Coastal Carolina team too, to be fair, um, by FCS standards before they made the jump. I mean, they were running the Big South before – uh, they hand us the torch. Yeah. And we were playing a bunch of freshmen. I mean, I, I would like to see like the 2017 Owls versus the 2015 Coastal Carolina team. That would have been a fair and fun matchup. Um, but, you know, because this is such a fun question, we want to throw it to producer Nick, who I'm sure is going to take some of our answers. But let's see if he has any of his own. I did have a lot of your same answers, uh, some for similar reasons. I had Coastal for the Big South throwback. I had Southern Miss on here, but that was a uh, battle for black and gold. Good one. Um, uh, and the regional. Tro- the yeah, regional exactly. for baseball. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Troy, more so because I think we would piss off some Jack State fans, and uh, that would more so for that reason than any other. Um, I would honestly – App State is on my list, but I would rather play App State as a road game because it is absolutely gorgeous in Boone, North Carolina. Like, I want to do a road trip there so badly. That would be a, a fun game to go to. Um, 
The only other one that I would probably throw in uh, is Charlotte, uh, just because Ooh. of Biff. Biff Pogi. That's a Nick, that's a man. <laughs> Nick, ha- have you been out to Boone? I have not yet. Okay, because it looks absolutely gorgeous to me. But where I'm sitting right now, this school that will not be named hates that place more than anybody else in the world, and they say it's they say it's trashy. But everybody else says Boone is amazing. So. Heck yeah, sign me up for that trip. I want to go see that uh that baseball stadium with the the cool mm. the cool woods in the background. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, one more and... note on Kent State before you go, John. Um, you know, all jokes aside, KSU versus KSU, they're not a very good program. Uh that's a Mac team that would probably play us and we, you know, would stand a chance against, you know, in these uh early FBS stages. So um I would be all for that game. Yeah. And you know, I'd also, Nick, uh, I considered Charlotte on my list. Um, you know, they are pretty close. I think they're an hour or so farther than Troy. Um, so, if, you know, if Troy didn't exist, I'd probably put Charlotte on there. Um, so let me pose this question to you guys. Um, and I haven't put any thought of this. So this is just off the cuff. Now, what is one school that you don't want to host or don't want to go to as a road game? F- same, same rules apply, you know, out of conference, G5. Um, James Madison and boise state because they'd kick our ass i don't think boise state was that great this year but they'll be back up okay what's your uh what's your uh logic there is is that just you don't want to play them or you know um at these early stages no i think those programs are just so far ahead of us um in terms of resources um and the playing field wouldn't really be level also i don't see much of a benefit uh in going out to idaho <laughs> for a home and home so uh, as I fun did. it would as fun as it would be to play on the smurf turf you know I did just buy some potatoes this morning, actually. So I need to make those. So thanks for reminding me. Not even a joke. I'm not even kidding. Um, Got to hit up those Publix BOGOs, you know. But um, Nick, uh, same question to you. Um, It's not even in an FBS team, but I, I still don't want to see NDSU. Like, <laughs> like that's a team that would probably love to play a, a, a game at an upper level. And if you're really searching for games, like, that's one that would potentially scare me. Um, but I mean, G five. I don't want to see Tulane anytime soon. Right. Um, that that one could also be a, a a bloodbath if we don't have our our shit together by then. Yeah, I have no interest in going to you know a road game in Louisiana. But um, you know, as far as coming here, you know, yeah, I I just I just want a good matchup. Um, I don't want any you know really bad teams or really good teams. I just want just just give me a fairly average team. Yeah, I'll hey, throw out a fun uh, one too. Um, Eastern Carolina, that'd be a fun one. Yeah, they got a great fan base. They bring some good people. Now, not to completely derail this conversation, but how do we feel about having to face Liberty next year? Because I think Liberty would be a team that's on this list right now, the way that they're uh, recruiting and the way that they're playing. Where, I mean, I don't know if I really want to play them <laughs> in football. Uh, just some thoughts there from you guys. Is that game at home or away? Do we know? I don't think we know that yet. Okay, gotcha. Um, honestly, I hope it's away so they can, you know, kick our ass away from our fans, and so we can get an extra home game because you know mm-hmm. um, by that t- by the time, um, yeah, Liberty has so much freaking money, guys. Um, you know, they have some, they have just so many built-in advantages that you know our coaches probably have to work three times as hard to you know just to get where you know their coaches do. Um, it's 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 almost not fair. It's like they're you know a higher tier school inside our our conference, and 
you know, if they weren't, you know, I'm sure their name would have possibly appeared on our list if they were out of conference um, that we just named because, you know, I, we did beat them last time and we do have a rivalry with them. So if Liberty was in like the Sun Belt or something like that, yeah, I'd want them to come in and have a fun out of conference game. But as far as in conference, when it actually matters, you know, not sure. I not sure how much I want that right now. Not scared of them or anything, but where our team is versus where their team is, like you have to be realistic at this point. Um, to, you know, a year, two years from now, let's revisit that. But you know, for next yeah. season, yeah, I don't know. I fear by the time it would take for us to get up to that level, um, they might be gone. So, yeah, I think they're they're going to start if they haven't already actively looking to take that next step as a program. Um, and you know, there was a, an issue of some conferences just not wanting to accept them. But if BYU can join the Big Twelve, I think Liberty's okay. Yeah, I I, I don't have any. You know, I'm not a very good person to ask when it comes to conference movement and those sort of things. But, you know, I, I do hear there's a lot of toxic toxicity around, you know, Liberty and trying to go up in different leagues. And, you know, I'm thinking if that didn't exist, you know, Liberty might already be a slight boost above the conference USA right now as it is. So, mm-hmm. so we're probably getting a team that, you know, it's kind of like getting a player that, you know, might have an arrest on the record or, you know, failed some classes and you're getting a, you know, a high major player at a lower school taking a chance on them. So that's kind of what it feels like with Liberty right now. But then again, at the same time, last football game in 2017, we won. Uh, last time we were both in the uh, ASUN tournament for baseball, we won. Last time we were in the tournament for basketball, we won. So, hey, what does that say about us? We're not doing too bad over here. So go Owls. Not at all. Yeah, I want them to stick around. I want to beat them. You know, I like the rivalry we have. Yeah. So that unless you guys have anything to add, I know uh, I'll let Kai tee up our final discussion question. Uh, Yeah, that's all I got. Um, So uh, like we touched on earlier, uh, women's basketball head coach Octavia Blue um, just received a contract extension. Um, We had somebody ask, was extending Blue a good move because we seem to be getting the ever living hell beat out of us um, quite often? That's his quote. (laughs) Correct. That is not me talking. Um, I'll go ahead and start John, um, because I know you've got plenty to say. Mm -hmm. Um, the way I see it is, is there are two types of contract extensions, um, in college sports. You've got the contract extensions where it's, Oh, Oh shit. You know, this coach really overperformed. We got to lock them down as soon as possible. Um, and then there are the types of extensions where it's like, okay, well, you're playing up to our standards. So let's just tack on a few more years to that contract. And, um, is KSU women's basketball great? Uh, no, they are not. But you look through uh, their history as a program, um, and last year was the single best year they've had since um, – I'm looking at the, the records right now. Really, uh, the last time they had a winning record in the A-Sun was 2008-2009. Um, so not a single winning record in the A-Sun under either uh, Baronado or Perry. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, you know, we lost a lot of production this year, so I don't think it's that surprising that the women's team took a step back. Um, that being said, I like our, our young players a lot. Uh, I, I'm okay with the extension. Um, you, people got to understand the state of the program, uh, has not been great really ever. Um, so I think, uh, all we can do is be patient. Um, I like blue at the moment. I I'm okay with the extension. Okay. Okay. So this is an excellent question and I really struggled with it, to be honest with you. Um, there's a lot of gray area. I had a difficult time answering and I wrote a lot of stuff out. So um, if you're into women's basketball, you know, stick around and listen. 
otherwise, you know, but no, uh, seriously. Uh, so she's in year three overall. I believe every coach deserves four years, barring an absolute disaster. I've made the mistake in the past of rushing to judgment with Amir on the men's side, uh, you know, being impatient, like, oh, God, we're never going to win, blah, blah, blah. So the press release said she's extended through 26, 27. Basketball contracts for head coaches usually start at four or five years. Um, assuming it was originally four years, this tax on two more. Assuming it was originally five years, this tax on one year. I think if anything, this was a public vote of confidence, which will help Coach Blue recruit and do what she needs to do. Um, from what I've seen from the team this year, I have some good. I've seen some good and some bad. I think Coach Blue's done a great job of building a culture. I think the players are totally bought in. I think they're happy. I think they play hard. With that being said, Conference USA is number nine conference in women's basketball RPI so far this year, and the A Sun is number twenty one. That's a huge difference for next year. Um, we only have one solid win so far this year in conference against Florida Atlantic and the final four non-conference games won't be easy. Um, right now in net, we are fourth from last, but in RPI, we're top five. So go figure. You can say we're, we're good or we're not good. It doesn't really matter. Um, it, but it probably has to do with getting blown out by Vanderbilt, Mississippi state that tanked our net. Um, I think we'll have some luxury of piling up some wins in league play this year. Um, because, you know, the ASUN is not that strong in women's basketball. Um, I just don't know if I see enough talent right now to, as constructed, to compete in Conference USA heavily next year. Um, but that could always change by the end of the year. The kids need to develop. Uh, by the end of year three of Amir Abdurrahim, you could see the talent, you could see the vision that was built, but it wasn't coming together. You could see, you know, Jennings, Youngblood, Stroud, you had Burden, Robinson, you can kind of see where it was going. Um, right now, you know, we have, you know, Carly Hooks, um, Princess Harden, who are building blocks, assuming Hooks comes back. She's a senior. Um, you have Trinice Taylor, who had a double-double in her last game, so hopefully she develops. Sophia Rupel had a good game or two. But, you know, there's a lot of players on the roster that have not produced yet, and that does, you know, that does really scare me a lot. Um, but she absolutely, as far as this extension goes, is back to the original point. Um, I I can't say one way or another. I still can't if it was a good good move. Um, so the original contract length, I don't know. That it depends on that. So for example, if the contract length was five years, then he just tacked on one year. That's different than if it was say a short contract, three years, and they're tacking on three years. And we also don't know if there's any options on the contract. Are they guaranteed? You know, what's that look like? Um, and I think the administration is looking at the past success that Kai kind of talked about earlier as the rationale for doing it. Um, I don't think the, you know, I don't think the administration is saying, oh, well, you know what? I don't really see, you know, the potential on the players that they have now. So we're not extending. They're probably saying, wow, look what she did last the last two seasons. Look at all the success she had. We trust her. We're moving forward. Um, and I, But I don't know because I don't think Blue had any real leverage here. It's not like, you know, she could take what's going to have probably going to happen this year and, you know, transfer it to another school. I don't think she'd mm -hmm. want to do that. I don't think she could do that. Uh, but again, bottom line, before I ramble, this sends a positive vibe throughout the program, which certainly helps in recruiting. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Right. Um, and it's important to remember that unlike um, the men's team in year three, um, she had, uh, you know, uh, Whitfield and Johnson to kind of write off of for those first two years. Um, and while she doesn't have leverage outside of the school, I do think she has some leverage inside of the school. Um, I mean, you first winning record in conference in 
over a decade. I think that definitely goes, um, you know, away. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this is a vote of confidence. Um, if anything else, it does show that there's kind of an embarrassingly low bar uh, for the program. Um, I hope we don't get complacent. I hope we strive to get better. And we're going to have to in Conference USA because we trot, you know, the roster we have out now um, without, you know, portal bombing like producer Nick is pointing out. Um, we're going to get hosed in Conference USA. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be ugly. Um, hopefully we, you know, make a run in the conference tournament or something this year and kind of just uh, get some some high high value reps um, for the young uh, young girls on this team. So that's all I got. I'm, I'm pro extension at the end of the day. Um, I like Blue a lot. I know she's listened to a couple episodes of the podcast, so always got to, you know, look out for that. But um, a vote of confidence is always um, always a good feeling. Yeah. And again, it's it just going to come down to, you know, I think the coaching piece is there. I think she can motivate all that. I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, do we have the players to execute and do we have the players to get things done? Um, that is my biggest concern. Um, you know, the scouting and the recruiting and all of that kind of stuff. Um, that's, a, you know, lifeblood of a program. So, you know, we'll have to see where that goes, how the players, the freshmen from this year, like Trinise Taylor, uh, develop and uh, go from there. Um, if you don't have anything else, Kai, you know, I think uh, I think that's it. That's all I got. It is worth mentioning that I think uh, Princess Harden has one more year of eligibility left, right? I believe so. And she's probably been our most consistent player throughout the year. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, she's she's definitely a player to watch on this team. Yeah, possibly. I don't know why she didn't play last game. So that was a little bit concerning. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Um <laughs> But uh, I think Carly Hooks also has a year left. Uh, she's listed as a senior, but one year was uh, during 2020, 2020 and 2021, which is that COVID year that you could redo if she wants to. So I think she could be back. Uh, but again, she's, you know, uh, she's not a very efficient player uh, scoring wise. Uh, she can go on tears and, you know, beat you. But, you know, it just we don't have enough to, you know, take down Florida Gulf Coast this year. And, and that's. Unfortunately, when you're in the A Sun in women's basketball, they are the bar. They created the bar. They set the bar and they keep raising the bar. And, you know, they are, if you've never seen them play, they're a machine and they just bring in transfers and they just retool year after year. Doesn't matter who's on the team. Um, it, it and you know, just leaving the A Sun just to get away from them is something I'm excited about, even if Conference USA, I think, is going to be a lot tougher overall. At least we don't have to deal with them anymore. Yeah. Well said, John. That's all I got. All right. You want to take us out, Kai? Yeah. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening to yet another uh, midweek edition of the OutChat podcast. Um, uh, we will be back to recap Presbyterian um, on, I think that'll go up Monday morning. So um, everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howell. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!